Do you have the uh, Halloween theme song for me, Janko? Yep, just putting some finishing touches on it and give me 10 more minutes. Yeah, no worries. Hey guys, hey. Um, have you ever read this fan mail? It's extremely disturbing. It just goes on about really dark things they want to do to us. I think we should probably call the police. Uh, just throw it in a pile with the other letters. What other letters? Wait, there's something on the back. See you soon? I, I, I think... I think maybe we should call the police. Welcome back to another episode of Critically Optimistic. I'm your host, Mac. Joining me, as always, is Maggie and Janko. Say hello. Hello. Hey. Um, we're really excited for this spooky Halloween episode because we've got an extremely special uh, feature coming where we got to interview, Maggie and I got to interview the director of one of the films that we are going to be talking about, which is Be My Cat, uh, who is an extremely awesome experience for myself and Maggie. I'm sure she would agree with me. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And you wait until the end of the episode, and we're going to have the full interview on there. It's going to be a little bit of a longer episode, but it's going to be worth your time by by far. Trust me. And just to let you know, I'm back, baby. Mac is back in the house. So get used to that. And Maggie is permanent. That is an official like stamp of Maggie's here. And we said that last time, but now it's like, she's here. <laughs> yeah. You're stuck with me. <laughs> yeah. So, like we said, this is the Halloween episode. And uh, things might be a little bit spooky here and spooky there. But don't worry. It's just the show. Uh, we're not in any mortal danger, I don't think. Yeah, just enjoy the theme, which is basically found footage serial killer edition. We are really happy to bring you two films that meet that uh, criteria really well. And we're going to talk about the first one, which is uh, Creep. So let's get into that. Hi! Oh, I'm sorry. I I didn't mean to scare you. I'm assuming you're Aaron. Yeah, I'm Aaron. Joseph. Oh, my God. Oh my god. This is gonna be a good day. So the reason I've hired you is because I have terminal brain cancer. And I want you to film me to make a video diary for my unborn son. You ready for this? Okay. Joseph! This is called an adventure. Woohoo! We don't know exactly where we're going. <laughs> but I have a feeling. When you follow those feelings, great things can happen. Don't ever forget that. Joseph? (laughs) There was about two seconds there where it looked like you wanted to kill me. So Creep is a pretty simple premise. Basically, it's a movie that was created by Patrick Bryce. It's his feature film, more or less. He did, however, go to a film school in um, France, even though he is from America. And he made a documentary, which was about the last movie theater in France to still show 3.5 millimeter pornographic films. Oh, and, oh that's nice. Hmm. I did a bit of research for this. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, so he he moved back to America and through social means, he ended up making Creep. Yeah, and with Creep, it's about, it's about a man looking for work um, and he comes across an ad that says for $1,000 for the day, he has to provide filming services where discretion is appreciated. Uh, so he's low on cash and full of naivety that he decides to go for it. He drives to a cabin in a remote mountain town where he's met with Joseph, his cinematic subject for the day. Joseph is sincere and the project seems heartfelt. So Aaron begins to film But as the day goes on, it becomes clear that Joseph is not who he says, and his intentions are not all pure. Uh, What did you guys think of Creep? I like Creep. I had to rewatch it. I've seen it before, but it was many years ago. Notoriously, found footage horror films are my least favorite horror uh, subgenre. For me to like a found footage film is like a big deal to me. And this is what I do like. Janko, what did you, what did you, like, how do you feel about found footage films? I've never Um, asked you that before. I am 
somewhere on the middle. Uh, like some I do enjoy, but other times I do think that it is uh, a very, what's the word? Like it's a very generic genre. Like you know what you're in for. Um, well, you could say that, but v- VHS is a little bit different. I've never seen VHS, but yeah. I, I, it looks unique. In yeah, that, that of... one I do love because that is because you have different ways uh, found footage films are made. You have some that are like anthology films where they have this whole entire main plot that works as a bridge between all these different short films that's kind of that's the entire premise of the vhs films and that i do think works well in in a found footage style but but then you have like low cash grabs such as um, one i watched recently uh, deadstream which um, is a shutter original and that was just a a very very shitty <laughs> found footage film that um <laughs> is not worth watching uh frankly but when it comes to this film though um i love it um i i think it's i think it's played very good throughout because it's it uses subtlety very good and mm. um it's not i don't think it's that much similar than other found footage films where i actually think this film is quite unique that it kind of stands on its own compared to others uh, in my opinion I think we should talk about um, found footage as a whole before we really jump into the um, two films in general. Because my I'm I'm actually kind of novice with the uh, found footage. Like okay. I've never seen I've never seen Blair Witch. I've not seen like I could probably count on my hands how many found footage films I've seen, um, and that includes these <laughs> ones here. Like I've seen what's that one called the. Uh, the one where they fly, they get superpowers. Oh, uh, Super Eight, or was that? Uh, no, not I, Super I've Eight. Never not Super one. Eight, but that's not found footage either. Oh, Chronicle. Uh, I'm not. Chronicle. Four. That's it. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Chronicle. I saw that one. I've seen really not a lot. Oh, Willow Creek. We're not going to talk. Oh, we're not going to talk about that. You made me watch that one. Yeah, we're not talking about that one. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so it is nice to dip my toe into what is a little bit of a better sort of genre. And within that genre, we managed to find that, of course, like one of the things you're going to find with found footage is serial killers with found footage. And that's a easy connect. Like there's more films we could have tied into the steam, but these are the ones that seemed appropriate to each other. But, uh, Maggie, go- what is, like you've you've probably seen a lot more than... Uh, both Janko and I combined when it comes to found footage. What do you what um, do you not like about I, it? Well, one of the problems I have with found footage a lot of the time is the camera work. Mm-hmm. It actually triggers something in me that makes me feel nauseous and dizzy. Oh, because of yeah. the shakiness? Um, depending or? upon the films. Yeah, I've heard that from yeah, other people too. because of the shakiness. Yeah. So usually if I'm going to watch a movie and I see it's found footage, I, I most of the time I'm just like, oh, never mind. <laughs> just... Skip it. I'm not going to even bother. Yeah. Um, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Like the two movies that we're talking about today, I watched them initially because of roulettes. Um, okay. And so you were forced, both, forced to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and to explain what that is, it's like in online communities, you know, you'll get paired up with a partner every week and they recommend a film that, you haven't that seen. they think you might like that you haven't seen. Yeah. And these were two that I got doing those. So Right. Yeah, I forgot that Be My Cat was. 
Now, w- one thing I do enjoy with um, found footage films, though, is that it it gives a lot of room for um, uh, creative thinking on how you want to portray your film. Because nowadays you have all these, like you even have a found footage film that is taking place in a Zoom call. And, um... Like it is as a filming standard, it's, it's not a good way to make a film, but it it sure is an interesting and clever way to make a film. Mm. You also have other like found footage films that take place in the webcam of the of your laptop or 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 whatever, and. But it, it, it is quite interesting, the different amounts of found footage films you have nowadays. The, the types are actually quite vast. Mm. I don't really have a major opinion on found footage. I think most of it I have enjoyed, I think. Um, and other times... Except it, for Willow Creek. Oh, well, yeah, okay. Willow Creek is just a pile of shit. You keep bringing it up because you know it <laughs> triggers me. <laughs> it's not It's not a good film. But um, I think I think there is a level, like you were saying, Maggie, where it's like there are people who know what make can make a found footage film enjoyable and digestible, mm-hmm. like especially just watching it. And then there's others who think that found footage is just this easy avenue because it's like, well, I can make it shitty and excuse it based on the genre where that's not that's not really okay. Right. That it's happens like, way too much, actually. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of an example of one that, okay, one that actually made me nauseous was Cloverfield. Okay. Yeah, Cloverfield I actually enjoyed, um, but I could see how that made you nauseous because of like I couldn't I couldn't make it through pretty much the whole movie mm-hmm. because because of how it was filmed shot. But yeah, it, in its defense though, like the whole city, you're like you're the man uh, in the city that Godzilla is destroying, right? So obviously you're like flying yeah. through the city trying to survive it makes sense but i also understand how it would make you extremely nauseous yeah and there's other movies that have triggered reactions like that in me too that aren't found footage um i think probably the the biggest one or most popular one is the film mandy oh like, yeah i can't i i think i've talked to you about this before like it affected my vision so bad that i was seeing like triple of everything is it the because of the color, color. Oh, okay because of the color that movie actually gives me migraines and i avoid it like the plague but that was the first time i had ever had anything like that happen outside of like a found footage film uh, i never i don't usually have anything like that happen with me i'm not sure about you Janko. no i've nev- never had that happen before like like uh, never never like physically how the film is made it's more the subject matter that makes me uneasy rather than the actual filming well this is a good segue into one topic i wanted to bring up which was jump scares and creep um i don't particularly like jump scares and i found i want to i wasn't going to talk about this like right away but since it's coming up naturally i thought the jump scares and creep were sometimes tasteful. And then sometimes it was just like, you're doing this because you don't think it's scary. Like, why are you, it didn't really seem appropriate. 
I'm just I'm just gonna say that jump scare at the end was completely pointless and it was just in there for a cheap scare. Yeah, yeah so dumb. Yeah, yeah. so dumb. The, but the one at the start though is appropriate because yeah. it really like it sets a mood for the character. You because at first you're like this guy just lives in the woods. It's like this is not really creepy. And then the way he introduces himself uh, by just it really sets the tone. yeah it sets the tone. Yeah. So that's what I mean by it's like there's they did it appropriately. So you know they know how. But Absolutely. yet it's like. It's almost like the studio was like, can you make it a bit scary? Like, just a bit more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they did, actually, I do remember uh, when I was looking up stuff for this movie, they did reshoot, like, a lot of stuff for this film um, over and over again after test screenings. And originally, it was a whole different other uh, film at the start. And just as time progressed and Netflix got involved the story just changed over time and they never had a problem with that because they thought it was just becoming a better movie but i could mm -hmm. maybe see how some of the jump scares you know might have been enforced by someone land. yeah something else like where they're, they're like we need someone to be scared here so how do you do that just jump scare but there are a couple more in the film that i can't recall off the top of my head that are a little bit um just like the last one you were talking about janko where mm. it's just doesn't really have to be there. I mean, there's no point in it being yeah. there. It's unnecessary. Yeah. It should have... Like, I think the jump scare happened after he put the disc in the cabinet, right? So... Yeah, like, like, my... like it happens, like... Like, yeah, like at the the epilogue, the I guess. Or the, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it should have just ended on him closing the cabinets. Like, that sets, like, a much more ominous creepy vibe to me than that horrible jump scare mm -hmm. yeah with uh yeah i actually agree with that yeah but yeah should we just talk about the film uh yeah, now and just go through it so yeah uh oh, oh one thing i was going to mention and this is a surprise for janko because we had a conversation about this and for our audience who's been listening for a long time love you guys love you love you very much um uh i use subtitles for this film Wow. Oh. oh, wow. <laughs> I'm very surprised. <laughs> Why did you use subtitles? Because the way it was made, the audio was coming from the camera. And oftentimes he would move away and I'd be like, I can't. What the fuck are you saying? Like, I couldn't hear. Oh, so okay. I, I was like, you know what? Screw it. So I'm going to put on subtitles. And it, you know what? It found footage films seem appropriate to have subtitles. Yeah, I will say that. I, I, I agree with that because you have a lot of moments where like lots of shouting, lots of inaudible noises. And yeah, in, in a found footage film, it, it, it is nice and, a, and a, like a comfort to have uh, subtitles mm -hmm. there. Yeah, I wasn't, um, I wasn't part of the subtitle debate, <laughs> but I'm the kind of person who, if there's subtitles for it, I'm going to watch it with subtitles regardless of what it is. Like, on everything. I'm in the minority here, maybe when it comes to cinephile group, but I feel like I'm in the majority for I'll, the normal I'll have to mention the though that, I have to mention, though, that since we did that episode, I have I have actually used subtitles less and less. So oh, really? I, I did okay. get something out of it, I guess. <laughs> there you go. I just, well, we're not going to go back into that. I've, we've already <laughs> talked about that. But yeah, so I wanted to mention that. And then uh, I guess we'll r jump into it by saying, uh, tubby time, boys. Come on. Yeah. All right, buddy. Welcome to your first tubby. When I was your age, I used to take tubbies with my dad. We'd call them tubby time. And it was pretty much the greatest time of the day. So since you and I might not get to do a tubby together, I thought we would have our first tubby 
right here. You ready? Okay. All right. Now, let's get those tootsies wet. You ready? Get the tootsies blue. Oh, tickles, doesn't it? Oh, stinker, stinker. All, all, all films should have. I actually time. really love that scene. So that that oh. scene was completely improvised, obviously. Oh wow, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. I, I assume I, every every role, I, like I assume every I, the whole entire uh, or, film was uh, improvised by Mark Duplass. <laughs> parts of it i feel mm. that were definitely scripted oh, okay oh a majority of it was uh scripted actually yeah oh, okay interesting like i f i felt like you could almost kind of tell when when it was scripted versus improv true um yeah just by the the way the thoughts are coming out when they're speaking mm. It's like a subtle difference where you can kind of hear where they're switching. I don't know if y'all noticed that like I did. Like most of the stuff with Aaron felt very scripted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, like uh, Janko mentioned, mm. so the main character who plays Creep or I'm just going to say Creep because like his Joseph. name changes. Yeah. Joseph, right? Mark Narc du Duplass. How's he? Yeah. Duplass. Duplass. Yeah. So he's a well known prominent actor um and obviously the guy who plays the cameraman in the film is the director he hasn't acted and his name is patrick bryce um so you're right maggie there's like mark can easily make it a harder tell to be like is that scripted or was that mm -hmm. you know but then mm -hmm. patrick is like he needed that script there it's like yeah. you couldn't do it without that script and that was a very yeah. very obvious that's when i could tell there there was improv or scripting when it was the character aaron talking mm -hmm. it was scripted is what it felt like to me with mark duplass i think they may have given him like more of like concepts to work around you're this person do these things but also these things need to happen in this in this order, order. yeah yeah, yeah, I think you're right about that. How long do you guys think that the Joseph was having tubby time with his dad? Uh, <laughs> uh, too long. <laughs> you think he was like 20 and still having tubby time with his dad? He's playing with some boats on the tub. Oh, yeah, he's playing with something, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, God. Uh. Speaking of, speaking of... Um, I don't know if y'all caught this vibe. At the end of the movie, when he's watching the footage of him uh, hacking Aaron in the head with the axe, mm. and he starts heavy breathing. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's very, it really came off to me like he was masturbating to it. Oh, yeah. Like he's totally getting um, off to that. <laughs> mm -hmm. like, yeah. yeah. yeah um, I actually think um, this is all over the place. I. Oh my god, bingo card. I always say that. But um the thing I actually really appreciated with this film is the fact that the the character of Joseph is unique. Like yeah. he gets off on this scenario and he gets off on seeing how long he could be a different person and then it's like he gets off on the fact that he's going to get caught. Like it's it's a unique concept because it's so specific. 
he is kind of playing mm. around with him, uh, with Aaron, and he is kind of testing his reactions constantly. Uh, yeah, and then but, spoiler yeah. alert: at the end, you get to see you see like he has a cabinet full of VHS yeah. and DVDs, and obviously Aaron's not the very first one he's done this to. So that's the cool concept of well, I say Absolutely. cool, but cool within the film that it, it's yeah. it's a specific song and dance that he has to do. It's a ritual, mm. right? Yeah, very mm. good twist too. I have to add. And it should have just ended with those doors closed. Yeah, mm. it should have. Uh, I agree. Um, I would say this, though. Uh, so while I was watching the film and I was making my notes, obviously things, I didn't know how things were going to unfold. But I did write down, and just because this is still an interesting topic, I said, I don't know if maybe the guy's dad's the real villain of the whole thing. Because oh. now the, the guy's dad could be fake, <clears throat> right? The Obviously, maybe tubby time was never even a thing. But I kept thinking, oh. like, if this is all verbatim, maybe mm. it's really like this guy's innocent. It just sounds like the dad's the one who fucked him up. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think that there was any basis on his actual dad. And I'll tell you why. Okay. When uh, Aaron gets there, he gets scared by the werewolf mask, Peach Fuzz. Mm. And he said that that was something that his father had gotten and they would like scare each other with, if I recall. He said that and it was to, what was it again? It was to show show him to be like brave or something like that? Yeah, to make him like a man or something like that. And it was very friendly and it had that song, that little really lame mm -hmm. ass song. Sorry, I had, to, I had to bring up the song <laughs> because it's so stupid. Hello, my name is Peach Fuzz. I might look like I eat you up, but I'm as friendly as a rabbit, and I'd make a very good friend. Peach fuzz, I am here. Then later on, he's talking, you know, when the screen is all black, uh, when he tells Aaron to turn off the camera, and he relays this story about um, there being bestiality pornography on the computer and confronting his so-called quote-unquote wife, wife yeah. about it he went out to a 99 cent store and bought a werewolf mask and raped her yeah um, that, that, so, i was not expecting that with the the story so it makes me think that well at least up until that point i think that's when the intention of the mask then changes mm. so it's no longer oh, this was a mask I got from my father, it's now become a mask that he's used to rape somebody with. Mm -hmm. And then when the light comes on, he obviously has the mask on and is blocking the door and is gyrating his hips. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's almost insinuating like, oh, I could do that to you too. I haven't, um, yeah, I haven't seen Creep 2, which is actually, I wanted to watch it before we did this, just in case there's other mm -hmm. points I could bring up. But when, you're right, Maggie, when I saw the mask though, because he says specifically to Aaron, like, oh, there's, what was it? Like, there's a jacket, oh yeah, there's a jacket in the spare bedroom closet that you could borrow. But, you know, it, mm -hmm. it's very specific. It's like, I know that mask is there. I know he's going to see it. It's deliberate in like, I want you to see this other side of me if you haven't seen it already, mm. like coming through. That mask is a representation of his true self and not the personality right. he's putting out. It almost it almost seems like Peach Fuzz is his serial killer alter ego. Um, mm -hmm. That's yeah. his true self. I mean, I mean, you you get some tells early on too with his uh, smirks and his uh, his growling and uh, 
in tubby time he has like a very like scary wolf uh eyes <laughs> wolf face almost and uh like when when he scares Aaron the second time in the woods he says like whoa you almost had a little peach fuzz uh coming out there like when, when he spotted like he had some killer intent in his eyes the two seconds he mm-hmm. got scared during that uh that jump scare yeah yeah you're right about that mm-hmm. i did think there's more we could talk about with peach fuzz actually one thing i will mention is the movie was just about uh peach fuzz as a short film oh Oh, okay um so peach fuzz has been the prime like subject since the start and then it's kind of morphed but i i did think though that joseph as uh, uh, from the beginning of the film i did take more of like joseph isn't a creep he was just a person with really bad ADHD and social awkwardness. <laughs> like, that's just all I thought is just he was not, he's just not socially, you know, like uh, professional. <laughs> and, well, he used that to his advantage when he sent that final disc to Aaron mm. saying yeah. he was preying on the fact, I believe, that it's harder for older people to make friends. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. That he was trying to garner the sympathy from him. Like, I know I was acting weird. It's just, you know, kind of that whole hard to make friends kind of deal. And that's what he wants from him. So he preyed upon the goodness of Aaron and his sympathies towards him in order to gain that trust to then harm him. I mean, how could you not though? The guy's always hugging you. So (laughs) there's so many, Yeah, because everybody loves that. So many bro hugs all, all around in this film. In Benadryl druggings. Morphs in the narval. Hello, let's go. Or meet him. Meet him. I wrote creep gave me diarrhea. So. I don't know. Okay. I had to shit. I had to shit halfway through oh, this film, all right, okay. and I blamed Creep. <laughs> well, did that add to the experience? Or? <laughs> yeah, I felt I felt creeped on. Okay. Get creeped. Did you find yourself staring at the tub really intensely, just thinking about tubby time? Oh, yeah. I'd like to add though that there are some shots here that actually do look very gorgeous in this film, and the one I'm thinking of mostly is is um, the scene where. Joseph is standing on top of his stairs and the light is shining behind him and you only see his silhouette and like you only hear his voice almost and I love how how like sinister and demanding and manipulative he sounds in that scene and uh, that almost kind of kind of shows the the line between Joseph and Peach Fuzz like because you don't have a face there you have both sides and because you're uncertain what his motives are up until this moment. Like he's, he's only been toying with Aaron for the most part. One thing too, uh, when he sent that box with the knife and the DVD and the, the stuffed wolf Mm -hmm. with the weird necklace inside. And he's talking about how wolves are murderous, et cetera, et cetera. I wonder if the intention was to try to get him to use the knife on him since he seems to have this wolf peach fuzz persona Mm -hmm. as part of himself i wonder if that was his way of saying use this on me 
Mm. That's a uh, uh, interesting theory. Yeah. Like he wants someone else to try to get him mm-hmm. down, like not take him mm-hmm. at face value like everybody does. Right. Yeah. That's what that came off mm. as to me, interesting, yeah. at least. I do want to bring up one thing before we jump further into that part of the film is the scene where he calls and talks. Well, he doesn't call, but he talks to uh, Joseph's sister, who uh, yeah. he says is mm-hmm. his wife. She doesn't really seem like she cares. I'm no. I'm sorry, but she's just like, oh, oh, you you're dealing with my brother. She's like, oh, I probably shouldn't be there. Like, she's not calling nine one one. She's not getting like. She just seems very nonchalantly like, oh, you're probably it's, gonna die. Like, yeah, I'm it's, sorry. It's, pre- it's pretty much a way to tell the audience what Joseph really is. Like that's the only yeah. Uh, I get I get that that's the that. avenue, but in the same sense, it's it does yeah. kind of make you wonder if maybe there's a something wrong with the whole family. Ah, interesting. Right. Well. Yeah, because if she's n- knows that her brother is, you know, like whacked out, then that would make sense. Her warning mm-hmm. uh, him over the phone, but like you said, her warnings really didn't seem very like it didn't seem dire. Yeah, it didn't seem like unless she really just doesn't know. But the the thing is, now that I'm connecting the end of the film with that scene, it's like, well, she knows something. So how, you know, like how she wouldn't she know? all of it like it doesn't obviously there's like a cabinet full of people missing so it's like what the right you know so that part was a little i don't know if that's just a little bit like don't think about it too hard but it kind of right it irritated me in the same sense because it was like well he tried to leave and then uh, i don't know it's it rubbed me the wrong way but mm-hmm. yeah so I did write, though, before we found out that it was his sister, that Angela is a full-blown furry, and there's a furry in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but then that also begs the question of, is this the rape Peach Fuzz story with the bestiality porn even real as well? Wow. Or was it just a tactic to scare the shit out of him with the mask, with his gyrating hips and door blocking? Maybe, but it didn't work, technically. Mm. No, no, because he just tackles him like a football player and leaves. So I don't know. This film is cool. Like I actually enjoyed it quite quite a bit. Um, there's more we could keep talking about with it, but I think we've covered a, a, a good majority of it. I uh, I want to add one thing. I uh, I love I love Joseph uh, Joseph's uh, one Michael Myers moment when. Uh, this is when he's stalking Aaron like in his home and like mm. he hears a bang in his hallway and then he walks away and then you see Joseph standing in a door frame like that just uh, I, I I love that shot very much that's just what I wanted to add. Mm. actually there's a good sense I've talked about this before but I think I always like to bring it up when it happens is there's a good sense of uh, environmental awareness to the audience I, I feel like the house was very easy to be like okay I know where he is I kind of have mm. an idea of where his exits are I know he can't jump out the window because it's like two stories high uh, stuff right. like that and that works with this film right. when you have a person in dire need of like get out of the house because audience audience members are always like in their mind be like just jump out the window or go down the <laughs> fire escape There's, you have a good idea of like okay this is his only exit and it's being blocked by him yeah. and that is right. that is a scary situation uh, is there anything else you wanted to add, Maggie? Because I don't think we really need to talk about the end of this film. Like, we've kind of did, but we don't really need to say how, like, what happens to the character Aaron. We don't need to talk about really what happens to Joseph because it, it 
Well, we've already kind of a talked bit. to it, but it leaves it very open-ended mm-hmm. with Joseph. Um, and then obviously they made the sequel. Yeah. I've seen it, but I honestly don't remember anything yeah. about it. I, I've seen it as well, and I I do enjoy the sequel. It's um, I think it's equally as good. I was going to bring up one more thing about the sister, too. Sorry, I forgot. I, I just looked back at my phone, and I was like, oh, yeah, there's more to this. Is is the sister real? Well, Right, it could have been a page. Yeah. That's exactly what call. I was thinking. Like, Because mm-hmm. there's so much manipulation on his end. Maybe it was just planned. Like, it, yeah, could, it could have been be. the whole thing. That is perfectly possible. Yeah, so I don't know if the sister's a paid actor or not, because that, that, that did make me think at the end of the film. I was like, well, there's a possibility that she's not real and that this is all right. yeah. yeah i mean if there's anything to go on it's just very easy to assume that whatever joseph says is not true at all and it's just mm-hmm. yeah his way of luring aaron into his own like chess game yeah yeah no i definitely agree with that all right well let's do ratings and then we'll move on to our next film sounds okay. good maggie do you want to start it off oh um i gave it a four that's what I gave it last time, and it it still stays there for me. It didn't diminish or increase any. And what about you, Janko? What do you I, um, give the uh, film? I think I'll give it four and a half, actually. Um, I have also seen this film before, uh, but I've, I think it still holds up. And I, I think it's it's very subtle at times, and the entire character, Mark Duplass, is just uh, played so brilliantly that it's a masterful performance, honestly. And... I, I love how this movie also wraps up. It's it's so disturbing in a way that it's, it's just um, it's just very well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree with you on Mark's uh, performance. It is actually really really well done. And uh, honestly, yeah. if you watch interviews with him about this film, uh, like I t- like I did, you could kind of see that even though it's a performance, there's a bit of him coming through <laughs> on the other <laughs> end of that. So I mean, it's those eyes. I mean. <laughs> Um, one thing I want to say before we do my rating for the film is that the one big connection that I do like between the two films is this is part of a trilogy as well. Oh, a planned trilogy. Right. Yeah. Be My Cat's a part of a trilogy and so is Creep. Yeah, I didn't know Creep was going to have a third mm-hmm. one. They've, uh, they out. said from the start it was always going to be a trilogy piece. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. But so for my rating, uh, I'm going to go 3.5, which is kind of... Hmm. Nice pretty normal for how I'm, I rate films. The only reason I'm, I'm kind of lowering it, not going to a four is for the simple fact that um, it's, I do have problems with those jump scares. I, I, I really hate yeah. when there's just dumb jump scares added in the other thing. I think a lot of people do. Yeah, <laughs> the other thing that I don't like is I actually thought they were really good at capturing a creepy atmosphere. Like they had something there, but they ruined it by thinking it's not scary enough. And for that, I was like, you know what? I really wish you just stuck to your guns and said, no, like we can make creep creepy, you know? And like, that's what I was expecting. It's just a creepy horror setting with, you know, a very maybe abrupt and unsettling ending. And even though we got most of that, it was, it still feels like it had some sort of muddling with studio or they were a little bit nervous about what people would think, obviously, with the multiple different versions that they shot. So because of that, I, I wonder if there's a version that I would have preferred better. Oh. Um, but yeah, that 3.5, I mean, that's still good. And I, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it quite, quite a lot. 
So our second film is called Be My Cat, a film for Anne, made in 2015, directed by Adrian Sofay. The film is about a man named Adrian, he uses his own name, who is obsessed with Anne Hathaway and decides that he's going to make a film um, to send her to show that this is how he would direct her in a movie. So he has three women come to him and it just kind of devolves into insanity, pretty much. Hello, Anne. Um, my name is Adrian. I'm from Romania and uh, I want to make a movie with you. I saw you in Dark Knight Rises and you're, you're my actress. This is a film I'm making right now to convince you to come here and make that movie with me. I even convinced uh, three Romanian actresses to play in this film to show you how I'm gonna work with you on Be My Cat. The actress needs to be skinny. And I'm not skinny enough for you. No. <laughs> don't touch me! They don't know. They, I, 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 I lied to them. Action! What should I do with you? So yeah, we're not going to talk too much about the film as a whole. Just because our interview that we did with Adrian... We cover a lot in, in, in it, and we want you guys to just get the, the bulk of it from there. But we'll talk about individually what we took away from the film and what we liked, and then we'll just give our ratings. Um, I'm not sure if maybe, Janko, would you like to start it off? Yeah, sure. That, that, sounds, that sounds good. Um, I'm honestly very surprised by this film because it blew me away where I thought it would be a not a very good film but because of the dark subject matter it has and the the type of found footage films this is it uh, turned out to be uh, quite a blast actually and that for the better gave me a quite fun time with this and um, I think uh, Adrian Sofe does a, a amazing job at selling this like a very unpredictable character that just wings it but he sees no difference between right or wrong like he's just so focused on this project that he just has to have everything right but but there is no right or wrong like there's there's this is like a very black and white world for him where there is only one thing and that is getting this video to Anne halfway <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. uh there were a couple of scenes I, moments I definitely enjoyed uh, enjoyed with this film and uh, one of them is the the chloroform scene I thought that one was done quite like very subtle and very like abrupt uh because at that point you're you're thinking like well he's just she's just saying that she has to do that because of the film but then you eventually learn that oh he's actually doing it for real and uh, it was very cold and callous it is it definitely is and up until this moment before that it's very hard to notice if uh, adrian is serious or not like if it's all just for the movie's sake, but then you also have the the actress who like first she acts scared because Adrian tells her to, but you don't really tell you can't really tell if afterwards if she really means it or not, and that really makes this chloroform scene much more impactful or um, terrifying, I guess, 
because it seems so quick and uh, realistic. And and it also helps that you have the police car that drives by it, giving it like a sense of danger, but they don't do anything about it. And also another scene I enjoyed very much was the, the, the tummy slicing scene with the second actress. Uh, just, the way, just the way it's showcased and you're not seeing much. Like the, the perfect example of less is more. Just see see blood on a canvas like the like there's a sheet covering like the entire scene and that really works works uh it's favor for the scene because it's very quite effective and it is rather an artistic choice i thought and um that's what i uh, i I thought there were a lot of artistic choices in this film that actually heightened this film way more than i thought it would so uh, that that was definitely good but before we move on, Janko, was there anything that maybe you you thought could have been improved? Well, there there were some, uh, like like some moments did feel very rushed, and I guess like you can tell that this movie had a budget problem. Like, um, uh, like uh, there wasn't much money going into this film, so it looks very cheap. Although for for this film's sake, it. I mean, it, it helps a bit with that that look. Realism. Realism, yeah. But in the end of the day, if you're if you're gonna look at the film like critically, then it is it is still a weak point. Like it's not like it. It, it there is definitely a lot of room for improvement in this film because um, uh, there's no excuse to just to half-ass it just because of um, just because it's the type of film this person is making. It's like, uh, you can still like take, take like a, a typical found footage film, for example, like, uh, you have a lot of shaky cam and that's an easy thing to do, but, uh, you still need to think like technically how to do that. Well, like you need to still need to think f- clear, like what, what your shot is and how you're going to do that. And there are definitely moments in this film where, that is lacking and uh hmm. that really shows through um so uh, yeah i definitely say there is some room for improvement hmm. yeah i i can agree with some of those points and what did you uh rate this film again oh i uh i i ended up giving this uh, a four and a half but but the four and a half mostly goes to the the coldness of the character the the, the, the emotion of the character and the character itself but also just just how 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 dark and how dark this movie is but um but but it's not a full five because uh if you look at it filmatically like cinematically it's not a it's not a particularly good film but uh but it's mostly the subject matter that's uh, selling me for this fair enough maggie what about you what what did you love about this film yeah i actually gave it a five um, both times I've seen it, I've given it a five. For me, this is how I would want a found footage film to be. Like, to me, this is like the poster child, like, this is found footage. This is great. Because it is hard to tell if it was found, right. you know? It, You're right. Right. It blurs so much and it does it so well that that's like my standard for a found footage film is this. And what was really interesting is, you know, I said I watched the these because of film roulettes. This one I actually watched from that server we used to be in together. Yep. 
they did something called a torture gorge, uh, which is where a bunch of people recommend you like a whole bunch of movies they consider to be bad. And you have to watch them all within like a week's period of time. And it can be an obscenely high number of films. And they did one for me for my birthday one year. And someone gave me this film. And it really made me think that those people don't actually know what bad films are. Because this film was so good. But that's that's how it came to even be on my radar. Was that. Because normally when I hear found footage. I just. I tune it. I tune it out. Kind of one of those automatic responses. Of oh yeah I'll throw it on the list. You know when I typically hear it. But I'm actually. I really like this movie. I like the chloroform scene. Which Janko mentioned. I really liked the ending of the film. I actually even liked the tour of his home. At the beginning where you don't get the sense of weirdness from him yet. He just is very enthusiastic and happy and cheerful and full of smiles. But once the women come, that's when you start to really see, oh no, this is not going to go yeah. very well. I did. You know what? I had a question in my notes here of is if that person who played his mom for that one little brief moment, if that was his mom. I'm willing to I, I bet never... it was. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering that. When it I probably the was. But yeah, it is it actually is his mother. Um if you look on the letterbox page, it says oh, her it name is, is Darina Sofe. So Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good good job, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> the things that I like about the film are many of the things that you guys have touched on. So I'm not going to talk about it in too lengthy of detail because you both did a good job on that. But some of the things I, I will add is he does have a sense of how to use the camera in a very um, good manner. Like one of my favorite things of the film is when he's filming himself, he makes his appearance seem more approachable on camera. So from the, the, the lens of the of the person who's watching the the video, it, he looks very approachable. Uh, when one of the other actresses, the last one, the, the last girl, when she takes the camera, because Adrian's quite tall, and when you see him standing at that end of that hallway and his, his presence is hulking, you know, just in that doorway, and I know the basement's probably a little small, but it, it, it has an effect of like, this person actually can be very dangerous and also very scary, uh, if you're on the other end of like a stick that, you know, the, the sharp end of the stick. Yeah, he did that really well, though, because throughout the whole film, he's in charge of the camera. So we only get to see him really the way that he wants to be portrayed. And then when he's not on that uh, controlling end, he, it, it's it's kind of like creep in that way, you know, like when a character's caught out and they're not being portrayed at as the way they want to be portrayed. I kind of wish his film had a little bit more of that, to be honest, because he did do it really well. That's one thing I will compliment quite a bit. I think the chimney thing I, I quite like, because I just do think it's the right time at the uh, in the right place. And uh, other things are just, just uh, touching upon, like how the chloroform scene and the police car and the blurring between what's maybe fiction and what's reality uh, is really hard to to tell um, what what really is real and what was scripted. Uh, as we've discussed before, there's a lot of improv in this film that is natural, um, and it, it works for this film 
But it also leads into my negative, which is I think there should have been a bit more of a ground structure to the film, a little bit more script. Um, but that's just because I think it might have benefited the the story just a little bit. Um, I, I do quite like the fact that this is just let's be the characters and let's see where the story goes. That is a really cool aspect to me. But from looking at it as a critical you know, lens, I, I think it, it it just needed a little bit more, a little bit more backbone to to what the story was uh, turning out to be. Lastly, I'll probably say that one of the other things I I didn't quite like is a little bit of what Janko said. Is there? It, it, I I actually give a lot of praise for the low budget because he shows that anyone can still make a movie. And, you know, there's that uh, perspective out there that you need money to make a movie these days. Like, you don't need money to make a movie. But in saying that, I do agree with Janko where there is a certain level of realism. You know, like when you try to make your movie look fake real, that takes uh, that does take money. And when you just try to rely on real real, but you still have to have a fake element like, um, killing someone or something like that you can get away with it and he does it pretty well in this movie but there's also a post like just a production wise that you can tell it's just like there's the fake reel and then there's the real reel and it just doesn't blend uh, too well together and if you had a bit more of a budget he might have been able to get away with that uh, a little bit smoother it's such a minute thing for me to complain about but it's just touching on what Janko was saying before with that said uh, I I'm only going to give it a three stars just because it's his first film. I liked it quite a bit, but there are moments of lull for me. I think some scenes could have been edited down a bit. I also think that it seems some scenes could have played out a bit longer. And there is a bit of an aimlessness at the end that I hope gets answered in the, the other films. But its conclusion just fell a little soft for the progression and you know the rolling stone that this film was trying to build and uh, throw at its audience. And it, it ended a little bit on a flat note for me. But I think a three, three stars for a first film is a, a fair critique. And I, uh, I look forward to what he's going to be bringing to us next because you can count me in on watching that. I'm, I'm going to watch it and I'm going to enjoy it quite a bit. Now it's a great honor to bring you guys the interview we've done with Adrian Sofay, the director of Be My Cat, a film for Anne. Enjoy it. Well, uh, thank you, Adrian, for taking the time to do this interview with uh, Maggie and I today. We really appreciate that. Thank you so much for inviting me here, of course. No, of course. We we wanted to talk to you for a long time now um we know you're very busy with like your secret projects uh, but hopefully you can answer some questions about like be my cat and what's to come you know like what you're working on and maybe a little bit about you as a person because we want to know that sure <laughs> and uh 
Well, that's for both us, our curiosity, and our listeners um, who's going to be listening to this episode. But I guess the first question we want to ask is, uh, when did your passion for film start? I think I always had a passion for film, but not really realizing it or because I was watching films from an early age and uh, my mom encouraged me to watch films, to watch a lot of films. She had a passion for film. But the moment when I when I became truly aware of film as an art form, when I, I, I began to realize, wow, that's something truly magnificent and I want to do that, I want to do something which, is, which has to do with film, I think is when I saw 2001 A Space Odyssey. Okay. I think I was a, I was a teenager, so literally the... Uh, there were some scenes I saw it. I was just I was just uh, changing some channels on my on my TV uh, back then. So I just by by coincidence I saw a scene from two thousand one Space Odyssey. I remember the hair on my back literally going up and like, wow! That was like literally one of the biggest uh, um, revelations of my life in terms of art. And that's that's when I began to kind of move away because. Uh, till then, uh, I my passion was f- for science, m- physics, okay. biology, stuff like that. So, ah. I think after Tongue and Space Odyssey and a couple of other experiences, uh, I began to m- shift focus towards the, the arts. Oh, okay, yeah. wow, that's really interesting. Is there a, a Romanian film that you feel like more people should watch? There is one that I have, you know, this enormous passion for. I think I grew up a lot with the uh, inspired and liking uh, foreign films, uh, not so much Romanian films. Yeah. Uh, so there are a couple of Romanian films, but I don't know, like, I don't think that necessarily the listeners of this podcast would appreciate them or... Uh, yeah, because they have nothing to do with the uh, with with genre <laughs> cinema yeah. in any way. Because Romania doesn't have doesn't there is literally no there is no genre filmmaking in in Romania. As as like my my film be my cat was like the first Romanian genre film that mm. uh, uh, became known practically yeah. that uh, in internationally there was before it there was even there was only one or two before but they didn't they didn't do much you know Amazing. and also mine mine was the first found footage film actually the first found footage romanian feature oh, film awesome. so yeah it's um i can i can i can i can give a, a couple of titles uh there is a there's a recent romanian film that i've seen that uh, i kind of liked it was called uh Sierra Nevada, um, I think. Yeah, uh, it's 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 done. It's super realistic, you know. It's like camera. Everything, the entire action happens in a uh, in an apartment, uh, literally. Uh, so camera just just moves from room to room and follows the people, and everything seems so natural and real and and improvised. Um, although it's not a found footage, you know, it's not a dogma film, but uh, has a little bit of that uh, dogma feeling, uh, feeling to it. And the director is also a director that was influenced a lot by, by another Romanian film from the 80s called uh, Sequences. Um, Sequence in Romanian, Sequences in English, uh, from 1982. But I, 
I, I, I, I'm not so sure if anyone in the English speaking world can find, can find a version with English subtitles for that one, you know, because it's such a, uh, I, I would say a cult Romanian film. So I'm not so sure if you'll be able to find to watch it. Okay. <laughs> I But, accept that as a challenge. <laughs> well, Ma Maggie, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say Maggie here, she has a very unique talent for doing just yeah, that. Yeah, so. and, and that one, it, <laughs> that one was like uh, literally... Uh, it has meta elements and stuff, and uh, at some point, you know, it's it, it's about it, 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 there there are, there is a film crew making a film, so uh, there are these two extras at a at a table, uh, and they have to just pretend that they are eating the food, you know, because <laughs> and they have to pretend that they are speaking and stuff like that, and while pretending yeah. and all that, one. Uh, recognizes the other one as being a, they are very old they are two old men and while pretending and trying to interact a little bit one recognizes the other one as being uh, a to one of his torturers when he was young when he was politically imprisoned oh, okay. so then this they start the, the discussion starts to heat up heat up and at some point the director yells you know those two guys out they are making two noise and stuff like that so it's all this meta stuff while yeah. making a film yeah. and the and actually and the director making that fictional film within the film is the actual director of the movie by the way <laughs> so uh, it it's a it's an it's an early example of um, uh, this uh, ultra realism combined with meta and uh, <laughs> yeah it's it's a, it's an, it's 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 interesting it's an interesting drama it's an I'm experimental gonna have to find drama it. i'm going to try my hardest <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah i you, yeah you might uh, you, you you might enjoy it i mean if you like be my cat uh, of course huge difference between that one and be my cat because totally different genres and stuff but in terms of realism and in terms of meta elements and in terms of uh, the passion of the filmmaker to actually talk about the process of filmmaking mm. in in that regards you there are some similarities yeah. between my movie and uh, and okay. that one yeah now i have a question and you sort of answered it already um i actually follow you on letterbox and your top four were 2001 a space odyssey which you said inspired you to get into filmmaking mm -hmm. The other three are Pan's yeah. Labyrinth, Carrie, and The Blair Witch Project. And what about mm -hmm. these make them your favorite movies? And did the other three inspire you the way that 2001 A Space Odyssey did? Uh, well, each of them is added kind of for different reasons. 2001 A Space Odyssey is this huge, huge influence on my career that in inspired me and impressed me a lot. Also with its metaphysics and everything and... And my upcoming movie, we put the world to sleep. Actually, um, I, I, I practically I wanted to combine the realism of the Blair Witch Project with the metaphysics of 2001: A Space Odyssey. Practically, mm -hmm. that's how we put the world to sleep. Uh, yeah, it, it started in a way. Mm -hmm. um, so that was the reason for uh, the reason for adding uh, uh, Blair Witch Project to the list is because it influenced a lot my uh, filmmaking method. Like, uh, like it's. I can't say that it's it's a movie that oh, it's like it's. I can't say it's a masterpiece because in terms of storytelling, just some kids lost in the woods. It it's, it doesn't talk about the uh, uh, huge uh, human yeah. uh, 
issues and metaphysics and uh, philosophies and stuff like that. But the way they did it, you know, uh, when you read about the process and how much freedom they gave the, the, the actors to improvise and, and at the same time, uh, the way they controlled that improvisation, you know, this way of, this way of directing a film um, by not directing it, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, this, inf- this, this influenced me so much. Um, so that's why I put it there for influencing practically my, my filmmaking method. And that is something that when I saw, when I first saw Blair Witch Project as a, uh, as a late teenager, I don't know, probably I was 18, 19, something like that. Mm. Uh, when I first saw it, I, like it, it, it impressed me, you know, cause it felt so real and all that, but I didn't realize about the way they did it and all these things. This realization came much later, actually, after I studied acting in school and we studied uh, with a, a revolutionary method of acting, which was, um, practically developed by a, a teacher, Romanian acting teacher called Ion Kojar. So practically this is his method. So he had, uh, he also, he was also a theater director. So he had this vision and this understanding of, of theater. He said that a, a, a theater show shouldn't look at a show practically. They say that audiences, when they look, they must not have any clue whatsoever that what happens in front of them is something staged. Okay. It must look exactly like reality. They must be, oh my God, is this happening for real? Should we stop it? You know, like this to this, to this level. That, that was his, uh, his, his way. And at the same time, he had a made of, that was his theater directing method. At the same time, he had a revolutionary acting method, you know, that uh, talked a lot about actors not knowing what will happen, you know, practically uh, the fact that you as an actor shouldn't know what will happen. Because if you, in reality, we never know. I don't know what you will say to me in, in, in five minutes, in 10 minutes from now. So everything that happens, happens for the first time. You know, everything that happens surprises you, transforms you, you go, you go through a natural process. So he said that the same thing must happen for actors as well, practically. He said that everything must happen to you um, for the first time and you have to go through an actual transformation either in front of the camera, you know, either on stage if you are a theater actor. So practically to go through a natural process of transformation in front, practically in front of the audiences, practically audiences, they need to witness that authentic, real transformation that the actor goes to on stage. And then after studying this, I immediately made the connection with the way they did the Blair Witch Project. And I realized, wow, like this, this, this guy, what he did in theater, these guys did in the US with the found footage concept. Because that's a similar concept, practically. You don't have to, in order for found footage to work, you, you, you can't have any clue whatsoever on screen to remind people that they are watching a movie. You know, it must look as reality. Right. Uh, and at the same time, the way they worked with the actors, the fact that they gave them only plot points, they didn't give them lines, they didn't say, oh, you need to say this, you need to move there, you need to do that, because that wouldn't look real, because no matter how talented you are as an actor, you can be great if you are very talented, very good as an actor with a scripted film, you can be great in a traditional film. 
But when you have a script in a found footage film, yeah. it's extremely hard, if not impossible, if, when you know what you will have to say, when you, will know, when you know everything that will happen, it's, it's almost impossible to mm -hmm. react and to behave in a way as if you don't know, as if things happen to you. You know, it's, 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 it's very hard to mimic mm -hmm. that. So because of that, what they did with the Blair Witch Project is just not giving them exactly what, what will happen, just giving them plot points and putting them out there in the woods, putting them in the actual circumstances that their char characters are. And, yeah. and um, also all those things that they were doing in the woods, like shaking the tent at night and scaring them and stuff like that. And Yeah, I mean, and this was the thing that, I mean, I'm sure probably, most probably the actors knew that they were going to be put through some of these things. You know, I don't think they, the directors just decided, oh, let's, let's scare the shit out of them in the middle of the night. <laughs> because I don't think so, because, because if that was the case, they might have not been able to, to stay in character. They might have think, they might have thought, oh my God, what if it's yeah. a bear? What if it's something, you know? Yeah. But, so that's why I'm, I'm, I'm sure that they told them that, hey, we are going to scare you. We are going to do some shit to you at some point. But you won't know when and how and stuff like that. Yeah. So practically when, you yeah. as an actor, yeah. you know of, of the things that might happen, but don't know exactly. So when they do happen to you, the transformation and the shock is real. But at the same time, you accept it as an actor because you, you, you know that the, that the realness that the shock gives to you will, will make you a better actor practically. Yeah. Will, will, will make you give a powerful performance. So oh, that's wonderful, you know, in both in terms of acting and realism and directing, everything, everything came together so well in the way they did the Blair Witch Project. And so much to learn, in, in my opinion, so much to learn about working with actors, about creating a, a realistic moment on film, about doing found footage in general. Because yeah. when you do a found footage film, of course, you can... Mm -hmm the way I try to do it. You can have uh, maybe a deeper story and stuff like that. Some people are now pr probably looking back and seeing that, ah, oh, but it's just some kids uh, <laughs> disappearing in the woods and that's it, so the film is shit. Well, in a way they are, in a way they are right, you know, it's, it's not a, a, a deep story, you know, but the way that thing was executed practically, the way that thing was put in practice, it's, it's an entire, it's an entire filmmaking and acting and working with actors philosophy. That 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 one is so deep and and so much to learn from, in yeah. in my opinion. I have a question, yeah. actually, somewhat about your method. I read that it took you five years to develop the character you played in Be My Cat, and that it started with a fifteen-minute monologue that you created. Yeah. And then turned into something called the monster. Mm -hmm. Now, what were the contents of the monologue and the monster? And how did it eventually become the character you play in Be My Cat? In the monster, there was a guy. There was a guy obsessed with uh, with an actress. With a practically, uh, yeah. That that's the backstory. What was actually happening is that this guy was just showing up in front on in front of the audiences. So practically. The audiences were supposedly like he was supposedly in a in a in a mental institution 
let's say like a half prison, half mental institution, something like okay. this. So, so he was coming in front of the committee to convince them that now he is good, he is healed, everything is okay, so he should be released. So practically, I was talking, uh, I was playing this guy, and I was talking to the audiences in the in the theater. So practically, the audiences were uh, as if the audiences were the, the the committee in that uh, in that institution. So I was narrating, I was narrating how I ended up there and okay. uh, all my st- stuff, and uh, and, and it, it it was actually a dark comedy, you know, because although I was talking about horrible things that I did and I was talking about them in a way as if oh I did nothing wrong you know I'm innocent yeah. <laughs> frankly I was trying to I was trying to get myself practically like a little bit like my character in Be My Cat I was trying to get myself uh, acquitted but actually I was <laughs> the, the people would realize oh my god this guy should be locked and tr- tr- lock him and throw away the key you know something like that <laughs> yeah so yeah. Uh, so he was telling his story about um, about being obsessed with uh, with an actress. So in in the show, I used the name of the of an actual Romanian actress, and there was a little bit of a misunderstanding because some people thought that I might be actually obsessed with that that actress, and there was a little <laughs> bit of there were some issues <laughs> about that. Uh. <coughs> yeah. Which was not the case, but anyway. Uh, so he was obsessed with an actress, and he was kidnapping that actress, and uh, he was also had some issues with uh, with his sister's cat, you know, something with with a cat. So practically, when I when I tried to make this um to make this into a film, I did not keep anything in the in the actual story of of the monologue, but I kept a lot of the things in the psychology of my. Uh, of my character in that uh, in that one man show so i did keep the i had to keep this cat thing you know uh, mm-hmm. so that's why you have uh, be, um, be my cat yeah yeah the, the <laughs> cat woman you know be yeah be my cat and yeah. all that and i also <laughs> kept uh, his obsession with an actress only this time uh, so i had to be an international actress you know somebody worldwide known so that everybody would understand the movie and would relate to the story in the film so when i was developing this it just happened that the the dark knight rises came out so then you had you know you had the cat you had the worldwide known celebrity and hathaway playing a cat woman <laughs> uh, so so kind of everything fit perfectly so that's that's how that's why i ended up um with this story in be my and this thing about anne hathaway yeah oh, hi okay. yeah, yeah 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 it's uh mm-hmm. yeah so uh yeah so you were asking me about the other films in my list uh so that's the blair witch project so the blair is a lot about the method about the practical method of filmmaking the reason i listed um uh, pan's labyrinth because like that movie like emotionally had i think probably the biggest impact on me like crying every time mm. watching it and i think it's such a it's such a powerful story you know it's it's like it's it's a, it's it, it's a perfectly written story uh, it's a, it's a perfect story arc in my opinion and the way it ends you know and this magical realism employed in that film uh, had a huge impact on me uh, and um, Carrie is something that I think had a lot of impact, ha- had a lot of impact in the type of characters and the type of roles that I've, I've been making so far, uh, because it's such a paradoxical character, Carrie. I mean, she's such, she's so 
vulnerable, so innocent, and towards the end she uh, she transforms into this uh, force of destruction. So uh, I think this has re- reflected so far in uh, everything I've did from my theater shows to be my cat, you know, having this character that smiles and uh, he yeah. uh, and then those days does those horrible things, you know. Uh, always attracted towards paradoxical, paradoxical characters. Um, with yeah. the filming and casting process of <laughs> "Be My Cat," like how how did that mm-hmm. happen? How was the casting when it when it came to actually starting up and doing the film? The casting, I I think I put a I made a I made an online yeah. announcement, uh, and I uh, I made an online announcement, and for two of the actresses, uh, Flori Florentina Hariton, she. She, I already knew her from my from from my acting school. Okay. So she she wanted so much to have a part in this film, uh. So I, she she got that part, and the other two actresses, I I I put a casting call on some Romanian sites on Facebook and stuff like that. Okay. And a, a number of actresses applied, so they were the they were the chosen ones based on the those auditions, online auditions. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. when you were when you were filming it, there's this sense of like blurring the line that we've talked about with reality, right? And you do that really well in this film. But was there ever a time when you were blurring the line in filmmaking that you may have gone not thought to yourself and gone maybe this was a bit much for yourself or even the actresses to handle? No, it never. It that never happened in in Be My Cat. Thankfully. Um, okay. You, we, we had a language switch. Uh, so, so whenever the rule was that whenever we were speaking uh, English, it meant that we are in character. Mm. Whenever we were speaking Romanian, it meant we are out of character. So even in okay. mo- even in intense moments like the moment when <coughs> Sonia, Sonia, while improvising in character, she actually. Um, unexpectedly improvised and called the police for real. Although that moment yeah. felt felt a little bit disturbing and real. I did not panic uh, because like I did not panic like me personally because I because she continued speaking English practically. (laughs) So that was that was a clear sign that oh obviously it's not Sonia feeling unsafe for whatever reason and calling the police on me. It's her in character calling (laughs) the police on my character. So uh, so this uh, but what you ask about unfortunately did happen for we put the word to sleep oh. uh, for my yes because in that case uh, uh, me and my wife she's an actress as well so we worked on this movie together all this period of time so we lived in constantly in characters on and off so uh, we didn't have very clear um, safe yeah. words or language switches or stuff like that so due to the extensive period of living in character, like shooting this movie over a period of five years or so, uh, looking back, there are some things that, there are are some life philosophies, some things that I said on social media, some things that I did, the way I behaved, that looking back, I realizing, oh my God, I don't know how much of that was me and how much was my character, actually. So that's really scary and uh, 
that that is something that I will never do again. Okay. Like because I wanted we put we, we put the word to sleep. I wanted to push things even further in terms of blurring blur, blurring the yeah. lines. And uh, I I I I got a, I got burned a, a little bit. I realized it's 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 uh, it's 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 not healthy. I mean, it. I think living in character. I think it's so important for every actor to practice and to do because if you live for a period in character before shooting, when you start shooting, uh, you don't have to uh, you, you don't have to fake it. Yeah. You know. Uh, no matter how talented you are, if you do not practice any at all living in character, it will be impossible just in a couple of rehearsals to become the character, you know, unless you fake it and it looks unreal and then that then it's not good. So I believe for every for a professional actor, living in character is so important. But at the same time, I believe there should be a limit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there should definitely be a limit. Not not what I did, like doing this for years and stuff like that. No way, no way. Like at most, at most maybe two months, something like that. You know, the, more more than that, you can. I mean, it literally it affects your personality. You know, it's it's uh, it, yeah. It's 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 complicated. It's changes tricky. changes who you are after a while. <laughs> And it's hard to get out of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and it affected my personal life, and uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. One question I will ask is: uh, the actresses involved yeah. have they given their opinion on the film to you? The actresses. That's very interesting. I'm not sure they ever gave an opinion, like uh, because, but I I also never asked actually because okay. i think we were both so much focused when i was editing the film we were not uh, nobody cared about giving subjective opinions like oh i believe it's good yeah. or i believe it's bad everybody was so much focused on giving as much as possible objective opinions like oh uh, does this scene work or not you know uh, do we have to remove it make it shorter make it you know, is is the movie too long? Where, what other scenes are like? What other moments are the ones that don't work? That that kind of create a hole or are boring? Or what should we keep? What should we? We were we were very much focused on um, working together to bring the best film possible out there. We were not we were not into uh, congratulating each other. Oh, you did a great film or, oh, you did a great role or we, 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 I think we, we all let others say those things. Okay. That's fair. It's a healthy way to, that's a healthy way to do it too. So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I wanted, I did want to ask, um, while I was watching the film, I know that, um, more or less the reason was the character was, uh, saw the Batman film and got obsessed with, Anne Hathaway. Was she always your first choice for that? Uh, while I was developing the concept of mm-hmm. the movie, I did not have any Anne Hathaway in mind. But I was thinking like, oh, like it yeah. would be good to have somebody who, you know, I was looking for an, an actress that my character could be obsessed with. And I was thinking, oh, it would be yeah. good if it, there was something to do with cats and stuff like that or Catwoman or whatever. So we just, yeah. so and also I wanted uh, I wanted an actress that uh, somebody that I I genuinely appreciate because I wanted to I didn't want to build my obsession from zero from scratch because it's it's much harder I wanted to 
uh, to yeah. build my character's obsession starting from an actual uh, appreciation, you know, and practically magnify that appreciation, make it uglier, you know, transform it into an obsession uh, in order to make my job easier as an actor, you know. So it, it just happened that in 2012, two movies came out. The, both The Dark Knight Rises with Anne Hathaway, two Anne Hathaway movies came out and Le Miserable. So when I saw the musical Le Miserable, I was like so much impressed with her performance there. Like, and then when I saw the Dark Knight Rising, I thought, wow, like, like I, I was, I was not myself impressed. I thought I, but I was like, wow, my character would really be <laughs> into this. Uh, so practically my yeah. character would be <laughs> obsessed, could be, could re- easily get obsessed with uh, her character in the Dark Knight Rises. So that's when I decided, okay, it's going to be Anne Hathaway. <laughs> so literally, if, if, if there were okay. those two movies in coming in the same year I was developing the film, we wouldn't have had Anne Hathaway. <laughs> okay, yeah, it could have been some other actress. We, we were curious if there was a little bit of a secret obsession there, maybe, but... Uh, no, 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 actually. No, no, not even, not even, not even in the slightest, actually. I was, my, my own uh, little obsession was when I was a teenager. Like, I felt like, oh, I'm in love with Britney Spears and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's, that's, that's the closest uh, I would get to, get to yeah. <laughs> quote-unquote, obsession. <laughs> So and, and that a way that also in a way uh, Im- influenced my character. Okay. Uh, there is a scene I think in either in there is a, a scene either in Be My Cat or in the extra scenes. The extra scenes are on, on the DVD and also on my on my Patreon uh, available. Uh, there, there are two twelve minutes of extra scenes. I forgot exactly. Either in Be My Cat or in the extra scenes. There, when he's in the attic. In his attic, talking to Anne, in 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 the back, you can see on the wall of the attic written Britney Jean Spears with uh, uh. with black smoke from a candle. <laughs> That's actually from me when I was a teenager. <laughs> I was into Britney. Oh my God. <laughs> so uh, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. That's really great. Yeah. Uh, insider scoop there for us. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now. Was the choice to start calling the camera Anne towards the end of the film a conscious decision? Or did you just kind of naturally, within the character, start doing that? Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not like Anne the camera. Like, uh, uh, the entire movie is, 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 is a, it's like a video letter to Anne Hathaway, practically. Yeah. So in, in character, my goal was to convince Anne Hathaway to come to Romania and make a film with me. So my goal was to constantly talk to her and show to her how great of an actor I I am, how great of a filmmaker I am and all this stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it, everything came out of out of my goal in character towards Anne Hathaway, yeah. Okay. There was a and there, so oh, it's, I I wasn't uh, so it's not like my character was delusional and thinking that his video camera is Anne. No, he was aware that he's talking to and like he was aware that Anne was going to see the footage yeah. there's a level okay. there's a level of comfort yeah. that seems to happen throughout the film where at the start it's very apparent that you're making this letter to 
uh, this video diary almost to to Anna Hathaway. Ah, uh, yeah, and then, it's, it, I I understand yeah, what you're and saying. Then through, it, it's getting more personal. Yeah, like you get because comfortable at some with it, right. Yeah, yeah, because at some point towards to uh, there is especially one scene when uh, one of the actresses on the bed and I'm talking to Anne, I'm saying, hey, I'm, I'm doing all this, but don't be jealous, Anne, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> That's when I really went so much into the character. I really felt like the camera was Anne, you know? I really felt like I was, yeah. Talking, yeah, yeah. To, I was talking to her. And yeah, I think audiences felt it as well. So probably that's why you, why you had that feeling towards the end. Yeah, it, becomes, yeah. it becomes more intimate and more real and less of a letter to Anne, but more of the, more like it felt like the lens, the, lens of the camera is actually and yeah. yeah that's how it that's felt true. to me yeah yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um this is supposed to be part of a trilogy right yeah. so how does yeah. it fit within the universe of the trilogy if you're willing to talk about that because i know your new film's not out yet yeah well how that it's it's a, it's a loose trilogy it's uh it's it's not directly connected but there are connections so 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 be my cat is kind of anchored in anchored in very basic uh, impulses you know like there are a lot of uh, repressed sexual impulses and stuff like that in this character actually although they are never they are never expressed these things but uh, they they do exist um and my my second movie in the trilogy we put the word to sleep is going to go you know like uh, one step higher, practically. This one is anchored in the mind. This guy is no longer in lower instincts. It's anchored in reason, and uh, it's going to still be a destructive reasoning, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's it's going to be more more mental, I would say, than 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 be my cat, and more philosophical. My third movie in the trilogy, which is called Pure, uh, that one will be anchored if you want in in spirituality in mysteries beyond reason practically you go even one step further and that one is going to be very different from both these ones so practically we put the world to sleep is very different from be my cat pure will again be very different from we put the world to sleep okay. so the goal is also to uh, there is also a kind of a metaphysical uh, spiritual spiritual goal you know like so that the audiences who are fans of my work will 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 be taken on the same road you know mm. will be taken like from this lower dealing with these lower impulses of of uh, violence and sex and obsession and stuff like that then taken to the mind you know and in the end enlightened you know it's like a <laughs> it's like a it's like a spiritual trilogy in a way and oh. uh yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's I, I, the goal is way beyond uh, I think what what most most of my fans expect. Okay. Um, uh, well, and, I can't and, wait uh, to see it. I think there will be a good number of them who uh, probably who will um, who will who might feel disappointed even by by it. I I don't know because they are so different. You know, I mean. But at the same time, I don't know. I mean, they, they've seen, they, they've seen, uh, I mean, some of my fans on Facebook, they've seen some of the scenes in, in, in We Put the Word to Sleep and, and they loved it. Um, they loved it. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know, to be honest. Hmm. I don't know. We will see. We, we will see what the, what the reactions will be. <laughs> 
that's the nature well, I can't of the wait beast. To see it. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait either, though. So if that's any indication, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm excited yeah. to see yeah. it as well, too. One one thing I wanted to ask is uh, what's the overall experience with, you know, the filmmaking for yourself? Because this is your yeah. first film, Be My Cat. And same with the aftermath of like the public, you know, reception. How, how are you digesting that? How has it been um, for you? It's been uh, it's been a, it's been a it's been a lot of a struggle and a lot of disappointments because when I did be my cat, I think I had uh, I had much bigger dreams. Like I I expected this film to be uh, to to ha- to be successful sooner and more than it than it was. You know, like to reach bigger festivals, to receive a distributor, to make money from it as well. You know, to to launch my career faster. And um, unfortunately, the, the first version that I did was was too long and it was rejected by some important festivals. And then by the time I made it shorter, I did not resubmit to those big festivals. I sent it to some other festivals and they were still important festivals, but they were not like uh, South by Southwest and Sundance. They, they were not, you know, these, these, uh, these big uh, career maker festivals, you know, so because of that, uh the movie uh you know uh, i couldn't get like a like a, a very powerful distributor that would put a lot of money into marketing and stuff like that so so because of that the the movie became known gradually by word of mouth you know little by little by little by little year after year like every fan that every everybody every fan that every every person that watched it and loved it told at least 10 of their friends oh my god you got to watch this film and then they told their friends and so on and so on and so on and this process actually continues to this day like uh only now in 2022 like two years uh sorry seven years later finally it broke into the mainstream media and it was it was included it was uh, praised on uh, on indiewire and watch mojo and stuff like that so it took 7 years to 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 reach that level so um uh, i would say that the the process was kind of stressful and like so much work you know like so much so much marketing work and so much trying and struggling to get the word about the movie out there you know on every channel possible and yeah i've noticed you're very yeah. active online across <clears throat> yeah every so, platform yeah because it's I, there was this realization you know unless unless you unless you um struggle um, daily you know and to reach out to people and to find your audience you know it's 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 it, it it's not going to happen just by itself. It happens by itself when you, yeah. uh, when you really uh, reach a uh, Sundance and stuff like that. Then, then it can it can happen by itself. And even then, even then, I mean, there are people that there are so many movies that went to Sundance and then uh, people forgot about them. You know, they, yeah. So even even at that level, yeah. they can be forgotten. So. Uh, nonetheless, when it's uh, I'm, but at the same time, in in although I'm seeing that there is there is a certain disappointment about this process. At the same time, looking back, in a way, it it paid off, you know, because look, the movie yeah. hasn't been forgotten the way it happens to tons of 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 films, and on the contrary, it's still it's still being discovered by more and more people after all these years. 
Till I'm I'm not making a living <laughs> out of this film, but <laughs> but there there are some other projects. There is another project that kind of came to me, uh, not kind of like directly came to me thanks to the to the success of Be My Cat. Kind of in the last in the last year, I would say in the last two years, if not in the last year, in the last two years, like my career began stuff stuff began happening in my career. Thanks to the success of Be My Cat. After all, um, my dreams of reaching Hollywood <laughs> uh, <laughs> with this film uh, <laughs> might happen, but not as fast as I wanted them to happen. I mean, it takes time. It takes a lot of yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I also think, too, that with that recognition that you're getting, you know, like sometimes that's worth the journey that you have to take in order to get there, yeah. right? I know you say you're not making a living off of it, but in the same sense, I don't think anyone who really has that passion to make film has that at the forefront, right? Like you, you want to be known and you want to get your uh, inspirations and creativity out there for the rest of the world to experience. And I think uh, you've done that well, like you've done that really well. Thank you. So I, so, I hope uh, so. Yeah. Another, another thing I wanted to ask you kind of related off that uh, was when I watched your film, a lot of people talk about how making a low-budget film is just, it doesn't work anymore. But for you, you made that very possible, and you made that very abundantly clear to the rest of everybody who's ever seen your film, that it's achievable. What, but you need a motivation behind that, you know? And you, you brought that motivation out and made this film, but did you find that a hard process to like just sit down and go, Okay, I'm gonna do this. Like, I'm going to make this film no matter. Oh yeah, there the, uh, there the was an, an an extreme motivation, you know, when I when I started doing this, I had so much I had so much passion for acting, for doing stuff, you know, putting my work out there. Like uh, when I when I saw that my my one man show, uh, at some point after after one after playing it in in a festival in Romania, like people were literally laughing with tears at the end and that touched me so much and i that's when i became truly aware of my potential as a filmmaker and as an actor i thought oh my god if i could do a theater show all by myself writing acting directing myself literally everything all by myself to a point of bringing audiences to both laugh and cry at the same time that's when i realized hey there is there there is a potential in me. I mean, I, I I can do I can do great stuff. That's how I felt about myself. And I can and I don't want yeah. to do it just for. Uh, I I felt like it's a wasted potential if I do it only in theater because with theater there's a limited number of people that you can reach. Only people in a in a theater room or in a show. But with film you can reach potentially a a, a, um, a global audience. So that's when I that come that's when I returned to my passion for film and uh uh by the way I was like I had a huge passion for film before going to college before going to acting like all my spare yeah. time was spent like uh in uh, in high school uh after finishing the classes instead of going home I didn't have back then I didn't have computer or internet so instead of going home, I used to yeah. go to a foundation uh, that was giving internet and access to computers from for free in my hometown. I used to go there. So literally every okay. day from the moment I finished classes to till tonight, literally, 
I was spending hours reading about <laughs> film history, you know, like all the masterpieces, all the directors. So literally, I was doing that for years. After that, I went to college. I studied acting and I kind of was in a way brainwashed, you know, into theater because Romania doesn't have a... Yeah. a when you go to acting, there's no such thing as film acting. You know, we don't have such a tradition with film. film. It's so much associated with theater. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of pushed towards theater, but things... That was a great beginning, but it was not. It was not fully satisfying me. So, um, so, so when I decided that I'm gonna go into film, I also that also happened out of a frustration because I wanted so much to act, you know. And uh, although I did that one man show, you know, and was so successful in festivals, I couldn't get hired. In like, uh, I I felt like nobody would 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 offer me a chance in 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 Romanian theater like yeah. i felt like no theater director yeah. uh either director in in the sense of directing a, a play or the the manager of the theater both in both ways i felt like nobody was actually giving me a chance as an actor and i felt like oh you know mm. what uh if if i if nobody uh is is creating opportunities for me then i'm going to create my own opportunities you know so I, I had this thing like, oh, from now on, I'm going to do things in a way that I don't have to depend on anybody. <laughs> so practically, yeah, yeah. Uh, because I had some disappointments with, with a couple of projects that was, I kind of, I put my trust in other people. And I realized that whenever I did that, those other people were not, were not sufficiently, were not on the safe level of, of commitment with me, practically. Uh, I realized that always my my ambition was much higher than the people around me. So then I realized, okay, then in order to do something, then I, I that's it. I just have to do it by myself. So literally, be my cat initially was supposed to be a, a one man movie. But but I I thought, okay, I can't. It it's it it can't be successful. It's going to be boring. It can't be just one person. <laughs> so I had to put. I had to bring actresses in but it began actually from this thing you know like feeling like uh, not not that necessarily you you don't trust people around you because there are a, a lot of people that you can trust but you don't trust mm -hmm. yeah but you don't trust that th that their ambition will always stay uh, and their willingness to sacrifice you know by sacrifice, I mean, let's say yeah. for years to let go of all their priorities, their personal life and stay focused only on the project the way I did. I knew that, uh, yeah. first of all, uh, there aren't many people like this. Second of all, even if they are, you can't demand that of somebody practically. You can't say like, oh, yeah. throw away your friends and your family and stay make this movie with me for, for five years or whatever. <laughs> so... Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I I was extremely I was extremely determined, and I was extremely determined to work a lot, and and the and the determination to work came from a realization or or actually of where I was coming from, yeah. because I thought I I was I was thinking hey like I'm f I I want to reach Hollywood you know, but I'm so far away like I don't have an, I don't have film studies I never held a camera in my life by the way me filming be my cat was actually yeah. me 
holding a camera for the first time in my life, and that was I actually, <laughs> and that was, and that was it, a, a, a deliberate choice actually, because the moment I realized that I'm going to do this film, I'm going to do it this way, I said, ah, you know what? I am not going to have lessons before, or I'm not not going to do tests, because this guy is also using a camera for the first time in his life. Mm-hmm. So whatever whatever yeah. uh, uh, errors I might be doing, things that are not professional or something like that, will be justified in within character practically. So that's why I thought, ah, oh, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, um, so yeah. So I was thinking like, oh, I wanna I wanna reach there, but I'm so far away from there, you know. So I thought like. Like I'm not, I'm not even an, an, a native English speaker. I, I also thought, okay, I want to, I want to, I want to have this. I want, I want to do an English language film in order to have greater success in the English speaking world because obviously that's where where you want to have success with a genre film because mm-hmm. uh, horror fans East, are ravenous yeah, here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Eastern Europe, these regions are not a place where you find. <laughs> genre films yeah. or a lot of genre fans actually um, so and then I thought okay I'm so far away from it uh, and I want to reach there then that m- means that I, I, I must work like 100 times more than let's say somebody who is uh, from the US and did um, um, film studies in the US and already maybe has some industry connections and stuff like that I don't have those connections I'm not from the U.S. I'm from Eastern Europe. Like I, I, I saw all these obstacles of, ahead of me. So for every obstacles, I said, okay, for that obstacle, I need to work again ten times more. For that obstacle, again two times more. That and then, okay, then, hmm, then that means I really need to work my ass off, literally twenty four hours a day, and that's what I did. That's why the living in character, that's yeah. why the living in character for a year for, for Be My Cat, like not going out of the house and, and not socializing. And like I was, I was willing to make lots of sacrifices, both for, for an artistic act, but also because I was aware of how many obstacles were uh, in yeah. there. Yeah. Like you, you had yeah, to get exactly. over that hurdle. Exactly. Yeah. So that's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for answering yeah. the, the, the question yeah. there. So, Adrian, um, before we go, because you, you've given us a good portion of your time, yeah. and thank yeah. you very much it's been uh, great. for that. We, we appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah, it has been really good. We want to know, or we want to let you say to our audience, uh, everybody can find your Patreon, like where that is, and uh, any other social media you want to link to and uh, your your upcoming projects, maybe? Yeah, uh, I actually, I can be easily found um, everywhere on on every social media, <laughs> literally. Yeah, yeah like uh, whatever you think of, you will find me there. And yes, I do have a Patreon page, if you just write my name and Patreon. And on my Patreon Practically for people supporting me there, I'm giving like from thanks to producer credits to in my upcoming movie and we put the word to sleep uh, and also merch, be my cat merch. I mean, those that support me on Patreon also receive T-shirts and mugs and posters and stuff like that with, uh, okay. with be my cat. And as soon as we put the word to sleep will be out, they will be receiving merch for, for that film and, and stuff like that. Yeah. 
So fantastic. Well, we're we're gonna have a link uh, in our description for this episode, and they'll. I, I I'm gonna send you. You know what? I'm gonna send you the uh, the link tree. I have a link tree page. Practically. A page that links that lists all my links practically. So you'll find everything there. Great. Yeah. That that's really, really yeah. good. Well, that's basically the whole interview, but we do have to ask the obligatory yeah. question, which is has Anne Hathaway responded uh, to yeah. <laughs> the greatest the 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 most popular question related to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to this project. What did Anne Hathaway say? No, literally no <clears throat> no reaction from Anne Hathaway in 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 any way, and uh, everybody's curious, you know, what Anne Hathaway thinks about if she watched the movie or not and stuff like that. I literally have no idea. I I would say that by now, um, probably she m- must have heard of it at least, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. But about watching, we'll who, we'll have to link her. We'll have to link her the episode of the <laughs> podcast just so she's. <laughs> She gets on it. We'll get an answer on that officially. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That 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 will be actually. Yeah, that would be the the biggest event in the in the timeline of of be my cat. Actually, you know, when yeah. Anne Hathaway yeah. says something about it. <laughs> when you get the response and she says, "When can I start filming?" That's. <laughs> 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 nah, it, 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 maybe maybe I will oh. get maybe I will I you know like I'm getting maybe I will, I'll be getting like directly like a like a like a live like Anne Hathaway making a live from Redouts from my hometown like I'm here I came but there's nobody oh, here you know there's nobody <laughs> yeah yeah. Well, I know, I know what that's like. That's actually, you know what? I was going to close off, but uh, well, the one last thing to say is I know what that's like because I'm from a very small town from Canada originally. I live in New Zealand mm. now, but I, I understand what it's like with the characters uh, and yourself being from a small town and wanting to have these big uh, goals mm-hmm. for yourself. And it's just impossible unless you make like a giant, giant hole in the sand, yeah. you know? Like a lot more than you you would have to if you lived in any metropolitan mm-hmm. city. So, um, yeah, I think that also kind of spoke to people who um, who watched the film and were in. A similar, yeah, yeah. Similar I, I, I hope uh, I think so as well because I'm I often get and I'm so happy when I get messages from filmmakers. Like literally, I got messages like, "Oh my God! Like you inspired me to go into filmmaking," or or film students yeah. who were like, "Oh my God! You inspired me to make my movie," or stuff like that. Like wow! There was somebody. There was somebody who was into film writing. I think either he was studying writing or something like that, and he was literally inspired with his writing he said he became a much better writer or stuff like that and i thought that's so paradoxical because you were inspired with writing from a movie that had no script (laughs) 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 that's 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 so cool yeah yeah And, and by the way that was actually that was actually a goal of mine as well um that's a secret that was always a secret goal of mine uh, and that's why you in Be My Cat, there are also so many references to filmmaking, to acting and stuff like that. I also wanted to be an inspiration for other filmmakers and, and actors who, who I, I, I wanted to break this, these barriers, you know, like what, because so many, so many people are afraid of going into film, into making films because of 
all these things that you read on websites or that you learn in the film school, all these things that they are being told that you need in order to make a movie. You know, so practically I wanted to show people, hey, you don't even need to know to hold the camera in your hand and you can still make a movie and you can, and you can, because by making, I mean, make one that actually is a movie, you know, and not just because just shooting, you know, something in the woods, the way they did after the Blair Witch Project, everybody went to the woods to shoot stuff. And uh, uh, they were like surprised, like, oh, how come my film is not becoming the next Blair Witch sensation? (laughs) So I wanted to show people that uh, with, with passion and dedication, with a certain method, with a very specific method, which I think is, is, my method, I think, is kind of um, transparent. I think you kind of are able to spot the method and how how you did it by just watching the film. And it's mm-hmm. especially after, and that's why, by the way, I also wrote, uh, I put so much info on IMDb, on IMDb trivia. Uh, all that there actually is actually written by me. It's not added by other people. Because, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, because because I myself was so much impressed by by reading how the Blair Witch uh, so much influenced and inspired by reading how Blair Witch Project was made. So that's why I wanted to mm-hmm. have an extremely, an extremely well-documented uh, info on the internet about how I did be my cat, thinking that this might help a lot of other people. Um, that's wonderful. Do, do the film, yeah. So that, that's another thing that I'm, I'm, I'm happy for, yeah. When <laughs> oh. We we gotta thank you again uh, yeah, for joining us. We don't have re- really has yeah. Uh, we don't have any more questions for you, Adrian. So um, we'll just close it off here. Cool. Thank, thank you, you again. so much as and, well for, um, for for having me. And it was a uh, it was a pleasure talking and uh, also remembering some of the stuff. Yeah. Oh wait, did you guys hear that? Oh, uh, <laughs> you know what time it is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, welcome back to another critically masochistic but we got to get this out of the way first we got a couple new rules so it's going to alternate between janko and i now Uh, technically it's my turn this time Mm -hmm. and there is another little play at hand where there is an invisible card this is the way I picture it. There's an invisible card that each of us get. So I'll have it this time. And I get the choice with this card to make Janko watch the film with me if I feel like he's going to hate it more than me. Basically a reason to use the card. But if I do use the card, then two of my choices next time are taken away from me. Um That is basically the punishment. But the other punishment, too, is when I use my card, it gets passed along to Janko. And then Janko has the choice of holding it or using it. And if he holds it, then the next time it's my turn, I won't have the card. So I really have to wait until he uses it, until it's hypothetically passed along to me. So it just adds a little bit more of a depth to the game that we're playing here in our critically masochistic. And uh, yeah, and it's actually my turn. To go, but before that, yep. we're gonna let Janko review Dirt Bike the Kid. Dirt bike yeah. Kid. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, it was um, actually a quite enjoyable film. You know, I, I appreciate these 80s films uh, where where you're able to show like questionable things and it's totally fine. Like you have this corrupt bank person who does very shady shit, who is a very creep, <laughs> but still, <laughs> because it's a family film, it's completely acceptable. <laughs> I just found that very hilarious. <laughs> uh, so... So the film is basically about this kid who gets uh, who gets uh, a dirt bike that has a life of its own. So right away, I thought, oh, okay, this is exactly like Christine, but a more kid-friendly version. <laughs> and that's exactly what it is. It is Christine mixed with like the Goonies, like uh, like that sort of vibe. But yeah, I kind of wish enjoyable. I, I kind of wish I watched it with you now. Actually, it sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah, that one's fun. It's like a fun, fun, bad movie. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, it's, it's yeah, as you said, it's a fun, bad movie. It's not really good. Um, I don't I don't think... Oh, Bill, I think Billingsley? his last name is Billingsley. Billingsley? Yeah. yeah. I don't think he's such a good actor. Like, like he has... Well, he was a kid. Yeah, true, but, I mean, it, it's, it's no excuse. I mean, <laughs> an actor is an actor, even if you're a kid or an adult. Yeah, but, I agree. Uh, Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah. Besides that, it was a fun film. It it had moments. It I felt it dragged on a bit too long though. I remember that I I fell asleep a little bit during, like, <laughs> after the mid part. But uh, I didn't miss too much, thankfully. But uh, enjoyed the bad guy and enjoyed the biker gang, the flying <laughs> dirt bike scene. Um, <laughs> it was completely ridiculous, but a fun good time and. He has the and this film also has the best mother, best mother in any film <laughs> ever, uh, and I ended up giving it a free star because yeah it it was okay. I had fun with it but uh, it's not really anything groundbreaking, but I loved the Christine elements the most. I I knew you yeah. would, even though I never <laughs> watched the film. But uh, you say that I know you're gonna love that. Oh yeah. <laughs> so is it? max turn to pick a number between one through it four is, yeah. okay um all right well i'm gonna pick one because i'm better than janko so <laughs> you got the you got the one that i think is tolerable um uh churchill the hollywood years from 2004 directed by peter richardson starring christian slater and nev campbell all right okay doesn't sound like a bad recipe no, it doesn't seem so bad and um the description of the film, as per Letterbox, is follows. A group of American executives making a film about World War II decide that since their lead is rather unglamorous, they will draft in an American GI to play the part of Winston Churchill. Their take on the war depicts a handsome Churchill falling in love with Princess Elizabeth, who is herself involved in the war as an undercover agent. Okay, now it's out. It doesn't sound appealing to me at all. <laughs> <laughs> that was very boring. That was the that was the uh, fun bad oh, option. Wow, your idea is fun is not great. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know I'll watch anything. Yeah, so. Christian Slater, eh? guy who shot up a high school. All mm-hmm. right, all right, sure, oh, bring it on. Right? Yeah. No card using on this uh, one? Am I... Oh, yeah, we never discussed if I have to use a card. Yeah, probably best if I decide. Um, I am not going to use the card because 
I know that Janko. I just looking at it. I know Janko could find something to like. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you should you should you should save that card sparingly. I think I am. I'm going to save it for when <laughs> yeah. I. You give me something about Jesus being nailed to the cross. Oh, there you oh, go, Janko. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you really lucked out picking number one. I'll put it that way. I'll, I'm number one because so, what can I say? Because the other three were. Mm, Mm-mm. <laughs> they were really bad. Well, oh my God. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this special Halloween episode. We're so glad you joined us today. You can reach us on Twitter at criticallyopti2 and find our link tree with all of our letterbox and other socials on there. If you would like to email us, you can email us at criticallyoptimisticpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any ideas for Critically Masochistic that you would like to throw my way to maybe make Mac or Janko suffer through, you can message me on Twitter at Savage Celluloid. Again, thank you so much for checking out this special Halloween episode. You know, <clears throat> you roughed me up a bit, but honestly, you did a pretty good edit. Come back anytime. You, you did a really good job.